0: Sometimes when we post these stories, and they're vague, we often know a lot more than we say. In fact, I would say in every story, we know a lot more than we're reporting, unless it's breaking right now, we'll try to tell you everything. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we know might be coming that we can't say, or we just do it because it simply, it would be too much to report. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast, inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald.
1: Welcome back to another episode of East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Hey, if you're a first time listener, thank you. I'm so happy to have you here with us. In this podcast, I interview business owners, entrepreneurs and influencers and tell their origin stories. And the stories are not only inspiring, but they help us to get to know our business neighbors better. I also hope this show helps to serve to um, let us all know that we're just trying to do our best. And we should give each other a little grace because I just know that I need that. So thank you guys. And if you are a regular listener, welcome back. I'm so excited about my guest today. This local businessman provides East Idaho with our news. From the whodunits to the feel-good stories, he's covered it all. So welcome, Nate Eaton of East Idaho News, to the show.
0: Thank you very much, Renee. I think your podcast is needed now more than ever Thank with you. everything going on in the world. So it's a pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah, we are recording this still in our stay-at-home order. Yes, And we have a comfortable six foot distance.
0: We do, we do, and it's nice to actually interact with a human face-to-face rather than on Zoom or on the phone. Yes,
1: although I have checked out that you have a very long mic that you've been using.
0: (laughs) Yes, we created it, we stuck it on the end of a six foot long pole and we're trying to be creative. Maybe we'll use that forever, who knows? Yeah, just
1: you stay there and I'll be here.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, we we may need to. I hope that um, soon we'll be able to have a little less distance between us, but we do what we gotta do.
0: Exactly. So
1: thanks for being here on the show. Um, How is it to have the tables turned and have somebody interviewing you for once?
0: You know, I always like to ask the questions, but I'll answer anything and hopefully I give you some some good answers, but uh, I appreciate you inviting me here. There's some pretty esteemed guests you've had on over the past few weeks. I was looking through the website, so I'm in great company.
1: Yeah, you are in great company. We have some amazing business owners here in East Idaho, and I feel like I've just scratched the surface. So just imagine all the people that we could so talk many. to. So many.
0: You could do yeah. this for 50 years and still not get everybody.
1: Okay, that's my plan. I have <laughs> a few years to go. Yeah. Well, Nate, this this show could be two hours long because I could talk to you for forever. But let's just start so we can get some context about staying true to the format. We want to hear about your story. So let's start at the beginning. Tell us about starting East Idaho News. So what was the inspiration behind starting an online news outlet in East Idaho?
0: Well, I had started my television career as a young reporter back in 2006 at KIDK, back when KIDK was on 17th Street. Yes. Uh, right behind Baskin Robbins.
1: I know that and, very well. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. So
0: so a lot of reporters start in small towns like Idaho Falls, which is what I did. I was here for three years. And then I moved to Richmond, Virginia.
1: Were you in Idaho
0: no no I grew up in Utah near Salt Lake City so mm-hmm. um, I came up here to go to school and just stuck around got my first job and and then left never planning to return I was ready to go and actually the day I left town I got stuck in the snow three or four times <laughs> in my little Honda Civic so I was more than happy and ready to go.
1: get me out of here although Virginia was going to also offer you snow
0: yeah, but not as much, okay, and, and it. when it snows there, everything shuts down and it's the end of the world. So uh, I, I was excited to go to the East Coast, go to a bigger market. I reported for the ABC station out there, and I was there for about four years when I got a call one day from a man named Frank Vandersloot.
1: Mm, heard of him. Yeah, yes. yeah,
0: and it was completely out of the blue. Frank and I did not have any sort of relationship or anything, but I had done a story with him before I left Idaho just about him and his business and whatnot. And unbeknownst to me, he had, I guess, been following what I had been doing. And he said, I've, I've got this idea to have an online news agency here in Idaho Falls. The Post Register had just let a bunch of people go. Channel 3 had shut down and merged with Channel 8. So that there was kind of a void for, for local news. And, and they were doing the best they could, the other outlets were. And, and it was an interesting phone call, completely out of the blue. And I said, well, I... I uh, I don't know. Actually, I I do know, and the answer is no. I I had just gotten married. We had just bought a new house, and I had just signed a new contract with my TV station, and so yeah, I, the timing was not. So no, no, no. Why would and, they do that? And and it was looking at it then. It was kind of career suicide because at least in the TV industry, once you leave TV, you don't really get back in because there's somebody younger, somebody better looking, <laughs> you know, all but, that. Oh, so. Dang it. Um, I told him that I, I really wasn't that interested and, and he said, you know, this, this will be, if you're interested, this will be your operation. I'm not gonna be involved, I'm not gonna show up. I really want it as a place to serve the community. So um, two years went by and at the back of my mind, I was always thinking about what ifs, maybe this and that, and he didn't pressure me or really follow up and then my wife was in labor one day at the hospital and he called. And after the baby came and she was, uh, you know, safe and secure, and Frank's I said, not
1: so good at timing. So. Yeah, right, I know. <laughs> and
0: he, I said, do you want to call him back? And she said, yes, but we're not moving to Idaho. And I remember walking- Is she
1: from Virginia?
0: She's from Virginia. Oh, and, yes. and her parents were there at the hospital with us and mm, all, her, all yeah. the family, and we loved the East Coast. Yeah. Um, but I remember walking out onto the balcony of this hospital and calling Frank back. And he said, um, I'm coming to Washington, D.C. in a few days. Can we meet for, for dinner and discuss this? And I said, yeah, but I'm pretty sure we're not going, Uh, but I'll I'll meet with you. And so I went back and told my wife, and she said, we're not moving to Idaho. And a few days later, I went to meet with Frank at this restaurant and we sat down, and I'll never forget the first question he said is, what do you want out of your life and is your current job giving it to you? And at that point, it wasn't. I, I just had our, we had our second child. I was working late. I was working on television, which is run and gun, go, 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 and a lot of crime, a lot of stories, and just, I was ready for a change. Mm -hmm. And so I told him what I wanted. I'd love to be home with my family more. I'd love to maybe be a little more entrepreneurial and, and cover some good news once in a while and do this and this and this. And he said, I think that I can help give you all of that and not be your quote unquote boss. Uh, because, and he
1: hadn't gone forward with this in your absence in those two years? No, he, he just no, sat on it.
0: He just sat on it, and I think it came into his mind. And my concern was I don't want him to be overly aggressive in managing the newsroom. And he promised he wouldn't, and he has kept that promise. He's been the most hands-off. Well, he doesn't really own us anymore. So so yeah, it was, it was uh, an interesting conversation. We met for three hours. And then, long story short, three months later, we moved here.
1: Wow. How'd you convince your wife
0: uh, that you you'd kn- be home? <laughs> that and <laughs> it was a big leap of faith on her behalf. No kidding. Yeah, and and that that was 5 years ago this month. Wow. So, um she she now feels like it's home here and and it, it was it was hard in the beginning because we were when so we moved here and the only guidance and direction Frank gave was build a good product. Build a good product and the money will come. Don't focus on the money. Because if you just focus about making money and you have a crappy product, You'll never get the money.
1: Yeah, it's so true. That's all you're ever chasing. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And so we were fortunate enough in an era where newsrooms are shutting down every day to have his seed money to get us going. And now he doesn't need to fund us. You know, we're self-sustaining, we're on our own and, and we're able to produce hopefully good news. Some might argue with that. Some stories are better than others, but that's kind of been our guiding thing is is build a good product, a community resource, and, and that's what we've tried to do.
1: So how did you know it would work? Had you seen models or had Frank seen models that he knew that this would work? Um, and I, I mean, I understand that news was moving out of print and TV, yeah. everything's digital and on demand. But five years ago, it wasn't completely like it was today. Yeah. So how did you know this would be successful? I
0: didn't think it would. I, I, didn't, I didn't know how it would. I figured I can go and do this because I was ready for a change anyway. And more and more people were telling me, I saw your story on your website. I saw your story online, rather than I saw it on TV. Yeah. So I thought, yeah. I'll go and do this for maybe two or three years. If it completely bombs, I'll go and do something else. We'll move back to the East Coast, and maybe I'll get back in TV. Uh-huh. It has succeeded a bazillion times better than I thought it would, not only in getting our traffic uh, visitors you know, to the site, uh, interaction with our viewers, but financially, getting the locals to, to advertise with us.
1: So when you first came, were you a one-man show or did you come to a team? How did that look?
0: There was a developer named Corey who works at FinFund now, and he's still a great supporter. And then Nate Sunderland, who's our managing editor. So there were three of us. And then uh, a guy named Jeff, who was kind of our designer. But yeah, it was, it was two or three of us. And we, we came in and we said, let's build this. And we were lucky enough, we launched on July 1st of 2015. And four days later, we were in the parade. Oh yeah, And we led the parade, passing out programs.
1: And they're like,
0: "Who are you?" Exactly. <laughs> we, we were like, news.com, What's heard. that?" I like we've
1: been around forever. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs>
0: we're young. And you know, in the beginning, there was there was a, uh, the uh, Dior Coons, the horrible case of the little boy who went missing. We kind of nine days after we launched, that story kind of broke open, and we were able to cover that story and and uh, you know get information quick, fast because we're online only and. I hate to say that, that that, that story kind of got us on the map, but in yeah. a way, in a yeah. way it did.
1: Yeah. Well, there were so many different aspects of it yeah. that you could follow different tracks of exactly. whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I suspect that that's um, kind of the case now. You have a, a little attention happening um, with some recent news stories. And so good or bad, that's what you're here for. It's you're you're here to tell us what's going on.
0: Yes. And, you know, I, I, uh, I, 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 you're talking about the Daybell case, I, I, believe, I imagine, which has really taken on a life of its own without any intention on our behalf. It's just this case that was thrown into the national spotlight. And, and yeah, we're, we're here. You know, truth be told, I love doing feature stories. I love doing feel-good stories uh, more than deep-down investigations. I like that too. But really, um, the, the great thing is, because we're a website, we can put on as many videos as we want. We are not limited to time or space. Yeah. So if we want to do a story on the ducks that sadly fell in the drain down by Best Buy and the firefighters saved him, we can do it, but we'll also have something else for you if you don't want that, which is funny to me, all you commenters out there that are saying, this isn't real news, we'll give you plenty of the quote, real news. On the other end, you know, yeah, so.
1: Yeah, you, th- you got a whole gamut. Yeah,
0: right. We, we've got something, hopefully, for everybody, so. <laughs>
1: yes. Well, you haven't quite moved into Inquirer kind of uh, I, I, I,
0: We plan to never do that. <laughs> it would be so easy. For those that say all you do is sensationalize everything, believe me, it would be much easier to run a, quote, fake news website or a sensational website rather than just sticking to the facts.
1: So how do you find stories?
0: Oh, boy, people like you. People like uh, every person listening right now probably has a story that we could cover, whether it's about them or their neighbor or their friends. In the beginning, and actually still today, a lot of Facebook, we, get, we probably get 10 or 12 Facebook messages an hour uh, of what's going on. Um, and, and so Facebook calls, uh, you keep an ear open, an eye open. Generally, if you do a, a story about one thing, you get messages about other things. So mainly viewers people like you and, and readers they're our main sources
1: you have um hundreds of comments sometimes how do you look at all of that and know what people are saying or do you even
0: personally i don't read the comments i i, I might read comments here or there on certain stories or if there's a particular we have nate uh, the other nate our managing editor he is our comment patroller, so he will go through and try to manage things. And we want to interact with our audience and answer questions. And if we're wrong, say, sorry, we, you're right, we had a typo. Um, if there's a particularly heated conversation or a conversation that might get us in legal trouble, you know, I'll go take a look and, and read them, or we'll ask the people to remove them. But yeah, our, our audience is very interactive, which is good. We like that for the most part.
1: Yeah, right. Well, and that's what I was going to say. You're under the microscope with the public, and everyone seems to have an opinion about what you are or you are not doing. Mm-hmm. So, how you say that you don't read those individually, but there's got to be something in the back of your head that you kind of know this scrutiny is happening. And I think more what I'm asking you is that er, with us having m- more and more online presence as influencers or whatever we're doing, we and you know we we generate haters sometimes. Yeah. So how what advice do you have for people even businesses sometimes will get, you know, just random comments of somebody who might not we may not have met all of their expectations. What advice do you have for us when you have to deal with the haters?
0: Yeah, that's a great question because the instant uh, reaction is to react and Defend become yourself. defensive or even ugly back. And and Uh, Nate, our other Nate, is very good at trying to rationally speak to people. If they say, this is fake news, blah, 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 okay, well what is is fake about it? And a lot of times he'll take those conversations to private. And so if someone leaves you a horrible review or talks about how awful their service was or whatever, sometimes it's not so bad to privately message them and say, I saw your message on our Facebook page, Uh, would you mind explaining what happened? and going back and forth and creating a dialogue that way and most of the time you can have a friend by the end of the conversation
1: yeah i agree with that
0: for for the people that that are angry with me over stories i'd cover i'd love to sit down and have lunch with them there was an attorney that i met with a few weeks ago who uh, their client had been in the news and was very very angry and sent me a bunch of messages and i said can we meet for lunch off the record and just chat? I I do want to understand your perspective. Yeah, right. And and it was a it was a good lunch and and now we're able to I'm able to communicate with him and hopefully use him as a source. So you can win much more support that way. Then again there are some people that are just trolls and you'll never win them over but
1: Yeah. How do you not let that get in your head and um and you know, like get to you like, yeah, I actually do suck. No, not that you do, but you know. (laughs) Oh, in the beginning it was
0: hard because I came, I came from a television background where, you know, you do the news and unless you really messed up and they called the newsroom or maybe sent an email, you didn't hear it and you went home.
1: Uh, They might've been laughing at you at home. Yeah, right. But
0: you you didn't know, (laughs) but here, here the online stuff, um, early on it, it would, it would get personal and, and I, that's when I just decided I, I couldn't read it. And there's still some things I'll hear about, or there are stories we know before we post that, oh, this is gonna get us some heat. We know (laughs) it's it's coming. (laughs) We know it's worth it, or we have to do it. You know, we can't just, if we don't report this, people will say, half the people will say, why didn't you report it? And the other half will say, this isn't news. So Mm -hmm. generally though, within two or three days, I've forgotten about it. Yeah. And so has the public. Do you remember what was on the newsletter? Well, we do now because of coronavirus, but really uh, the public's attention Span is so short that, and here's some other advice that people say, if your mugshot's on our website or or whatever, people get, oh no, you've ruined my life. You've ruined our business. You've ruined this. Generally within two or three days, the public forgets. Yeah. Unless it's a big enough story.
1: Yeah. I think that's a great message about people move on. I mean, it's us that keep it in our head and and play it over and over and over. And yeah, we just got to learn also to let go, forgive ourselves and move on. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great message. Okay, so I want to ask you a question. You have a few different segments where you get to be the deliverer of surprises. Usually, those are monetary and people are happy to see you. So, this is especially true at Christmas time with Secret Santa. Can you give us a little back history about how Secret Santa came to be? Um, the, I know that you're not going to talk about who the givers are, but how, how has that happened and how has it grown from 100000 when you first began? to 500000 now.
0: Uh, it's, it's incredible, and it's, it's mind-blowing what happened. We, we were, East Idaho News, it was our first year, and about six or seven days before Christmas, I got a call um, from a local couple that, that said, we want to give away $100,000, but we don't know how to find people in true need. Not just, I've never been to Disneyland, or I, right. I want a new guitar but I can't pay my water bill and my husband just passed away, you know.
1: And we're living in the garage. Yeah, so
0: yeah. yeah. Whatever. Is, is there any way East Idaho News could help us find these people? And I said, yeah, I'm, 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 we'd love to. And, and I said, I suggested, could we bring a camera to some of these surprises and kind of spread the, the cheer? And, and um, we talked about it, and it was more of a, as long as they're comfortable with it, because some of these situations are just you know, abusive relationships, heartbreaking relationships that you don't wanna put out on the news. So um, I remember stepping outside our building and recording a quick little video saying, hey, we have $100,000 that we wanna give to deserving couples, email us, or deserving families. And our email almost crashed. <laughs> we got so many wow. by the next day. And we said, we gotta figure out how to do this. And
1: Yeah, because did you have any direction on how you were supposed to give that away? Or just, did they just say, here's the 100,000, give it to who you I, need I to? I
0: think that the first year it was $10,000 increments. Okay. No, no, it wasn't. It was some were five, uh, as many people as you could. It's
1: whatever you thought.
0: Yeah, well, and the Secret Santa would kind of consult, but it was more of, let's try to give away this money. And so we were out until Christmas Eve that year uh, giving this, this money away and posting the videos. And I think um, Inside Edition, a national television show, saw some of the videos and picked it up. And the next year, uh, it just grew. And the next year we knew that we needed to maintain it a little bit, organize it a little bit better because it wasn't so rushed. So we set up a form on our site and it got to the point now where we are, are vetting the people that come in. Every entry is, is read. Last Christmas we got 4,000 and every single one is read, and then they're put into piles of like, definitely, you know, vet these, maybe, no way, on this end, possible. Uh And they're kind of sorted out, and then there's a committee that we meet together every day, every other day, and say, let's check on this one, let's check on this one, and we're vetting and we're calling people. So it's kind of turned more into a, of a, you know, Uh, I don't know what what you want to call it, but more of a, we're checking out these people, you know, and, 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 and delivering on their needs. Mm -hmm. And, um, they
1: could, they could use 50,000, but if you give them 10, they're going to be able to feed their family. Right. Yeah. I mean, I get it. You can't give everything to everyone.
0: Exactly. And maybe $10,000, $5,000 to some people can just be overwhelming. And, uh, if, but maybe a washer and dryer could more more fulfill right, the need. Right. And so that that's how it's turned down to. And the Secret Santa has has been the one that has said let's increase it, and it's has it's, it
1: been the same giver all of, over uh, all yes. these years.
0: Yep. Same, same, same person who doesn't want their name out there and just yeah. wants to be involved. And we do have a lot of other people that have said, I want to contribute. And what we say to them, because that becomes a lot to manage. Yes. It, it takes our whole staff all of December to do this. Uh, we say find someone and, and, and do something kind. The crazy thing in all of this has been the, how big it's gotten on YouTube. Um, we have. I get an email at least every other day, still in April, May, June, July, from people. In I got one from yesterday. Someone in Israel somebody in nova scotia somebody in our australia argentina all over the world in these emails and i save them all one day i'll probably put them in a book they just somebody in england who's been quarantined for weeks who says that's how they've gotten through the quarantine by watching these videos Yeah. yeah and and people that one one man who said that he he's dying of cancer and i think he was in texas and he's realized he need to make he needs to make things right in his life and he saw the videos and says that that's what's changed him and and I mean, some of these stories will just bring you to tears because that was never the intention to have it be like that. It was to, to bless people here in Eastern Idaho. But there's been this ripple effect. And I hope it's something that we can do for many, many, many years.
1: I hope so, too, because whenever I need a real good feel-good cry, <laughs> I... I- I put on a few put of those, on those videos too, because yeah. you have a few of those that are like, oh, well, I mean, several. Oh, You're yeah. like, I can't, I can't get through this story. It's just so moving. So oh. thank you for telling those stories and sharing, you know, just the joy too, that comes to be able to give just a little bit.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's what we try to do. And, and, and some of the most, you know, touching ones, like I said, are the ones off camera, the people that are just in horrible, horrible situations who just need a break. They've run out of money and they've run out of luck. And we might not be able to give them luck, but thanks to the Secret Santa, we can give them $1,000 or $2,000, which can be a game changer in a lot of situations.
1: Yeah, yeah, isn't that the truth? Well, thank you. You talked a little bit earlier about one of your, your favorite type of stories are feature stories. So I wanna ask a little bit more about that. You've covered many. Many stories. Do you have any idea how many stories you've done?
0: Oh, gee, well, I've been, I started in 06, so what is that, 14 years now in news? Yeah, yeah.
1: You, I, who knows how many stories i have done. I don't know. Movie. So what story or type of stories have been the most challenging for you?
0: Mm, that's a good question. The any Anything involving children in abuse or who have been hurt or, or situations like that, and I'll be honest, I personally try not to cover those anymore now. We mm-hmm. have other members of our staff who are good at, at crime stories. Uh, there's, there's a few we'll all pick up, but reading through some of those court documents, are, it's, it's too much now.
1: Has that been since you become a father? That's yeah, yeah,
0: and, and the older I've gotten, it's more uh, some of these things are just so horrific, and I don't want re- to remember them or think about them. Um, Some of the other ones uh, where where I used to work in Richmond, I covered a, a lot of crime and at least, you know, shootings every day, day in, day out. Those are actually covering crime is actually pretty easy. You state the facts. You state what happened and who did what allegedly and what the police say and whatnot. It's trying to take the crime beyond the normal story and try to get the family member to talk or try to get the uh, you really paint a picture of who we're talking about here. So yeah, it can be tough going on and knocking on someone's door of, of a spouse or a child who's just died and said, would you mind talking to us? And a lot of people say, well, why does the news need to do that? We don't, but I think a lot of times if you can put a face to it and see that this person who was randomly shot had a, had a life and we want to honor them, we want to tell the public about them. So those can be difficult, but in a lot of ways also rewarding. Uh, You know, covering the the Hanson family plane crash last November. That was horrible, Mm. horrible. And I I remember I was at Fred Meyer when I got the first call that, hey, this plane went down and who was on it and do we know if they survived? And then I was, I had to stop by Albertsons an hour later and I got another call saying, yeah, there's, there's this many people dead. And I'm thinking, what?
1: Yeah, that can't be real.
0: Yeah. And how do you, as a small newsroom of six people, how do you cover that? And, not, and be sensitive, and not reveal names, but still report the news. And so those, those can be very, very hard to cover. Um, so yeah, th- those can be the difficult ones. And, but in a lot of times, it, af- after the fact, you can, some of my best relationships are with people that I've covered in those horrible situations. You've, you've, you kind of create a bond and a friendship that, that lasts. I, re- I covered a story of a woman named Star who was shot in the head by her husband while she was holding their baby and and fell to the ground and then he took off and left her to die oh and, and she survived and i met her when she was getting a makeover years after because they wanted to make her look pretty and she has a a false eye and one one, uh, one you know one of her eyes is is false and they're fake whatever we call it um <laughs> and uh she had her whole whole face rebuilt and she still had bullet fragments in her head but sitting there talking to her was so encouraging and we were able to to form this friendship, I've got a picture of her on my wall in my in my office uh, that I can remember her by, and so some of the most horrific stories can turn out to also be some of the ones I don't forget.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I mean, because that the other flip side of that coin, I was going to ask you what what ones are the most rewarding, and maybe it's the same.
0: You're right. You're right. The secret Santas are always rewarding. Yeah. Um, those those are a lot of fun. Uh, the ones where you've made a difference, too, you know, where I, I did a story where, where I used to live with this single mother that was in a house where they had a, That she was renting this, it was a slumlord house, it was horrible and the sewage, human sewage was leaking out onto the street. And, and we showed up and we wow. went to see if it was even a story and it definitely was and there was, they couldn't drain their tub because there was a foot of water that had mosquitoes breeding in the tub in the house. And there's five little kids eating off the floor and you're there. And I'm thinking, this is oh, awful. Yeah.
1: Let's, let's go. Everyone get in my car. Yeah. And, the, <laughs> yeah, and,
0: and She said she can't get a hold of her landlord. The landlord hung up on me when I called, we were live at her house that night at 11 by eight o'clock the next morning, the city had condemned the home and put her in a different house. So that story alone, she'd been you trying for weeks to get results and we were able to do it. Yeah. Uh, and so those, t- and, and she still to this day will, will call, thank you so much. She's moved on and whatnot, but those type of stories are very rewarding.
1: Yeah, that's got to be. I love that. Yeah. We touched on it just a little bit earlier, but you've generated a lot of attention, including national attention, for your coverage of the Vallow Daybell case. What's it like to co- to collaborate with national news reporters and national news outlets? And is this new in your career, or have you had situations like this before?
0: Um, good question. So when I moved to Virginia, Um, one of the first stories I covered was the reopening of a building at Virginia Tech after uh, there had been a horrible shooting. 32 students had had died and faculty members. And so they sent me to cover that. And that was my first experience with national media. And, And it was weird to be in a room next to the Washington Post and uh, Fox News and CNN. <laughs> yeah. And here's me.
1: You're like, hi. Yeah. And, and
0: so I, it was interesting to watch them work. And then a few months later, I covered the execution of the DC sniper, which was a big story on the East Coast back in the early 2000s. And we showed up and we were each assigned a, a like four by six spot. And standing next to me is like Anderson Cooper and Greta Van Susteren from Fox News. And it was just surreal. Now, I didn't, I, I didn't really work with them, but I was able to see how they worked and, and what happened there. Uh, throughout the years, occasionally, I've been on a, a you know, national show or, or whatever, but never to the extent of what's happened over the past few months with NBC and Dateline. And they, uh, they, they, the story broke of the Daybell case late December, and they came to town and were just kind of trying to figure out if they were gonna do anything with it and did a few interviews with Eric here on our staff and, and met with us here in our newsroom. And and then uh, we found out that they were in Hawaii, the, the Daybells were in Hawaii, and we let Dateline know. And uh, mainly because they could have somebody there when we couldn't. got it And so they were there for two or three weeks, and then we went over when we knew something was going to happen. And then since then we've we've kind of just formed this relationship. And a lot of times the national media does not treat the local media with they kind of, you know, thumb their nose at them sure, because sure. they're national. That has been the complete opposite on this story. You know, they, they have been very good to us and helping us with resources. And we've tried to help them. And we're, we're here, obviously, and they can't be here. And so it's been a, it's been a, a, a great relationship. And um, they have another show Coming on, maybe by the time this is up, there will be another Dateline on on the air, another two-hour show that
1: an update on what's going on. Yeah, they uh-huh. got a,
0: a bunch of different new people to talk. Wow! Uh, and uh, it should be it should be pretty good. I don't think they've announced an air date, but it, it should be very soon. Um, so yeah, they they've been great to work with, and, and we've loved working with them. Uh, we are independent at East Idaho News, so we'll, we, our philosophy is anybody anywhere can take our stories as long as they give us credit. Mm-hmm. Give us a link back, credit East Idaho News, and you can have it. We want to see as m- many eyeballs as possible. Uh, so if ABC wants to take it, that's fine, or, or Fox or whoever, uh, just you know, give us credit. But on this particular story, we're working more with Dateline just because they've helped us so much.
1: I think as a community, um, you know, we feel a little bit of ownership to you, and so we worry about you having all of this national exposure (laughs) that you're going to get snatched up and go. Is that something you would ever consider?
0: I love it here. I love it here. We I helped build East Idaho News. This is my baby. Um, (laughs) So no, I I have no ambition to go to bigger markets. I've had offers from bigger markets uh, to go to a top twenty market. You know which which if I wanted to stay on the traditional TV path, I would have done that, but I don't miss local TV news. Now national news, if I could do in-depth storytelling, that, that's appealing as, as long as I could still make this work. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I like what we're, we're doing here and, and we like Idaho. So yeah, I, I, I have no, no plans to go anywhere big.
1: Tell me about this, though. I imagine that this is kind of a 24-7 job for you, okay. although you wanted to be home with your family, and perhaps you've been able to get that. I think of it, in you're on call all the time, aren't you?
0: Yeah, yeah, 24-7, like you said. So I could, today's my anniversary, our oh, hey, ninth hey, anniversary. anniversary. Yeah, so I could go home tonight, though, and if a massive fire starts, uh, luckily we have staff now that we can kind of rotate between us, but in the beginning it was nonstop. Yeah. So I'm always thinking about what what's going to happen tomorrow. What what are we going to lead with in the morning? What are we going to put up in the morning? It's always going, and especially with the Daybell case, that's always going, and and people emailing. So it can be hard to turn off. But but now that we're established, uh, I'm able to go on vacation when I you know have a, a week of vacation and, and turn it off. I might check my emails at night, but <laughs> there have been days where I haven't posted anything on the website. And fortunately, we have other people that can help out.
1: Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Um, I imagine your wife is happy, but that you've actually been able to get a little bit that you've been able to unplug.
0: Yes, she is. She will probably say I truly don't unplug because I'm always (laughs) seeing what's on the news on Twitter or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I am home more that, that is one of the nice things, but I might not technically be home if you know what I mean, but I can update. I have updated our website from my bed. I can open anywhere. I have an internet connection. I I can update and I can send out a push alert and update it on our Facebook, which is great. I don't have to wait for something to print or go on a TV antenna. I can do it from anywhere. Or
1: have somebody approve it. Yeah. You're it. Yeah. Yeah, That's great. So I think we always, um, you know, look at journalists and we want you to remain impartial, right? We want you to tell us stories that um, you're just giving the facts to. But how are you able to do that when you're covering cases that clearly you have an opinion about?
0: I think there's some things where it's okay to share an opinion. It's okay, I think, if the Utah Jazz are in the finals for me to go on and say, <laughs> "Go Jazz. I love the Jazz." Okay. It's okay, I think, for me to say Eastern Idaho has the best potatoes in the world and 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 I don't know if I'm going to ruin my objectivity. I've had I can't even tell you how many people ask me, what do I think happened to Dior Coons? Or what do I think happened to Lori and Chad Daybell?" Sure, yeah. I don't even know if my wife knows that. I, I mean, we w- maybe she does, because I, I think I can truly see in 90% of cases, all sides. Uh, on, a, on a hot button issue, I think that I could understand if you had a very opposing position than your husband and you both told me, I could say, all right, that makes sense. I might not agree with you, that, that makes sense though. And I think that's my job to try to understand, all right, that makes sense. I now, can
1: see it from the way you're coming at it. Yeah, exactly. I may not agree with it.
0: Yes, yes, and I, I don't think I would tell you if I agreed with it, especially if I'm reporting it. Now, there are some issues, like the woman that had the running water in, or the issue in her house and the sewage and whatnot. Uh, I think that that's okay to maybe show a little outrage on the air, mm-hmm. because I don't know if someone would, uh, unless the landlord came on and had a very valid position that she did this, but he hung up on me and wouldn't talk. <laughs> so so yeah, I, I think it's there. I, I try not to express my opinions about a lot of things. And I've learned to, even in Facebook messages that viewers will send, like, "Hey, have you seen this? Or what do you know about this?" I might tell them a thing or two, and I've learned now that those screenshots are saved, and they'll post them all over Facebook groups. So I try to, to be, be very careful. careful with yeah. what I say, yeah. uh, and and We're all, all
1: hanging on every word you say.
0: Well, especially with certain cases, yeah. they they want you to have know. Yeah, yeah, we we know a lot. That, that's another thing I would say to the public. Sometimes when we post these stories, and they're vague. It's, we, we often know a lot more than we say. In fact, I would say in every story, we know a lot more than we're reporting, unless it's breaking right now, we'll try to tell you everything. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we know might be coming that we can't say, or we just do it because it simply, it would be too much to report. Yeah. Uh, but I, I've never been a strong opinion guy. I've, someone asked if I would want to do talk radio. I'd be boring. I like news, I like, <laughs> I like to tell you the facts. I like to tell you what, who said what and maybe have you on to debate, but I'd, I'd, be, I'd be boring.
1: Uh-huh. Well, yeah. that's good. I think that's a, the sign of a journalist that, you know, can be successful. It's, I, I, you know, it's hard in the media now because you have such polarizing opinions yeah. and they verse it or they voice it. And, you know, journalism 101 is you don't do that. And yeah. so it's, it's kind of interesting and, and, and leads to the how much can we trust the news that's being told to us.
0: And that is a great thing because I watch, I can't watch cable news at night anymore on any channel. I can't watch it. It's, it's too much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you want to be able to like, just I, I want to know what the truth is. Where yeah. is it? Somewhere in the between. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I listen to you. You sit here with a lot of confidence. You obviously have had a lot of experience, but was there ever a time, especially when you started, where you had feelings of doubt, like, what the heck am I doing? And especially coming and starting East Idaho News.
0: Oh, I still have that. <laughs> I really do. There, there's days where I'm like, oh, man, I just want to go sell ice cream, because then everyone will be happy.
1: That would be a good thing. Yes,
0: yeah. or cookies. Oh, you yes. re- Someone might complain it's burned, I guess. But there, there are days where we, we talk about that. Uh, yes, in, in the beginning, you know, as a young TV reporter, you're on television trying to prove yourself. And and so going live every night, um, yeah, yeah, I think we all have those thoughts of doubt. Um, and I, I, the, the great thing about this career is even, even, I think for anybody that has even, you know, I had a friend that suffered from depression a lot and was a reporter and he was able to get through it by having the next big story. And so there might be times where I have doubt, and I've done a, I haven't, there hasn't been a great big story in weeks, and then the big one comes along, and you get to go on with something big, or you get a big break, or you get to go and surprise somebody uh, for Feel Good Friday, who's you know just trying their best to help the community, and those are the things that I think would carry me during those times of doubt. It's not the awards. It really, it's not the uh, cool people I've met necessarily. I'll tell you, celebrities, quote unquote, celebrities, politicians, they're actually sometimes the most boring interviews, especially politicians. Sorry, (laughs) politicians, if you're listening, (laughs) it's all canned. You rarely make news out of those. Mm -hmm, It's the people that have just had their house burned down and come out and give you a great heartfelt interview. Those are the people I'd rather spend the day with than following you know some politicians they're
1: probably a little more vulnerable than absolutely the <laughs> yeah
0: absolutely more real so it's those type of people and those type of of the next big story that hopefully you know are able to help me through those times of doubt and yeah that do I'm, I'm i'm there's a lot of insecurities i have and sometimes you know i just you got to kind of push through it and fake it what do they say fake you, it, fake till it you, until you make yeah it. there you go
1: yeah i agree <laughs> i think sometimes we can just get again so in our head that we paralyze ourselves We yep. just got to move okay so you you did mention briefly awards and i did want to ask you about that because that's kind of a big deal in journalism to receive awards and you have a few
0: yeah we love to congratulate ourselves <laughs> <laughs> journalists <laughs> love to say look how cool we are let's create
1: another award so that we can exactly exactly okay. and well, that, whatever it takes
0: uh, yeah that that is that is cool i would say that um the, low, the Idaho Press Club, they, they give some great awards. The, the, the award I guess I'm the most proud of would be, I did a story a few years ago with a little tiny baby that was born at 24 weeks at Ermac, yeah. uh, the size of a Coke can. Yes. Tiny, his name was Kayo. And uh, the family who I, I knew was, was so good to say, yeah, we'll let you document our journey. And they had video that they had shot of their baby, so tiny, yeah, it whimpering. should have survived. No, no, and and I remember the size of the diaper; it was the size of you know three or four quarters stacked, the the preemie diaper. hmm And so I, I the Irmac let us in through, with the parents' permission, and we were able to interview the doctor and the couple, and and we submitted this award for the Edward R. Murrow Awards.
1: Heard of that? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and that won a regional award, the best feature for our region, which was very. Cool. And then it went on to win a national award.
1: Oh, how good.
0: And and for to be a tiny newsroom of six people to win that award, I, w- I was more proud of us as an institution and to be out there in, in New York City where 60 minutes and Netflix and HBO and then East Idaho News felt a little out of place. Uh, is
1: that how it went? You got yeah. to go and then be Yeah, wow, David that's Muir so from the cool. anchor from
0: ABC News was presenting the awards and uh, it was bizarre.
1: I bet. <laughs> You're, like pinching yourself. Yeah, right?
0: like where are you from? East Idaho News. <laughs> Idaho? Uh,
1: where's that? Yeah, yeah,
0: Iowa. Yes. So um that that was that was very cool and you know th- those it's always an honor to get those but I yeah, in the beginning of my career, that's all, all I wanted, I'll be honest with you.
1: Isn't that typical, though? I mean, yeah. for a young, scrappy journalist, that's what you're looking for.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And 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 it's cool to, to be honored and recognized, like I said. But at this point, if I don't ever win another one, I, I think I've... I'm, I'm pretty you're happy okay with, with what yourself. we're doing, yeah. Yeah,
1: good. Well, you clearly still have a passion for this work. Yeah. Like, it. it's not really dying out anytime too soon, it looks like.
0: No, there are days, though, like every other job. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've had days where you're like, I just want to do something else. Yeah,
1: yeah. Open I the cookie stand. Days. Yeah. <laughs> so when you think back over your career so far, what's the biggest risk you've ever
0: taken? Coming here.
1: Yeah? That's yeah. Down, hands down.
0: Yeah, you know, I thought, when I, so it's, it's, it's hard to get a job in TV on air. And I had sent right out of college, I sent 50 VHS tapes, if you know what those are, to to stations across the country. And I got two uh, responses and both said no. And so I went to channel eight, and they said no. And I went to channel six, and they said no. And I went to channel three. And he said, I'd love to hire you as a producer. And I wanted to, to be on the air. And a week later, he called me back and said, Okay, I'll hire you on the air. And so That was great, and and then after that, I I did the same thing three years later where I sent DVDs, the technology had evolved, and I got a call to go to Richmond, and that, I guess, was a risk because I had never been to Richmond. I didn't know anybody, I was single at the time, and I said, I'm just gonna do this. But to leave the industry that I knew and to go back to Idaho all of my colleagues saw it as a crazy, what are you doing? yeah, mm-hmm. step down move. And as I said, I didn't, I didn't think it would succeed. The night before, my wife and I were in a hotel with our little babies, and we were set to fly out here the next day. And I said to her, "I don't, I don't think it's too late to say no." I said, "I, I what if, the, what if no one misses the <laughs> website? What if we don't make any money? What if this is the biggest mistake of of our lives?" And she said, "We're, we're gonna do it." And, and those kids will still love you and I'll still love you. And if it fails, which it won't, we'll do something else. And so we said, all right. And the next day we flew out and our plane got canceled and our child had a diaper accident on the flight and we ended up having to go to Jackson and we had no car seats and our luggage, got everything, (laughs) everything happened. These are signs. Yes. (laughs) Maybe we shouldn't do this. Uh, But as so often in my life, something really great is always happens right after something really bad happens. Yeah. You know, something yeah. horrible happens and then something good happens. You
1: can just hang in there, you're going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. So, good for you. I love it. Do you still have the tapes? The Z- VHS tapes?
0: I do. I, you, you I, I do watch don't I, I don't have a VCR, but I need to get that all digitized and I know you there's do. companies that do that, but I haven't yet.
1: Great memories. You need to go back and yeah. do those. All right. So, you definitely have talked about your wife and I just want to obviously give her kudos because for one, she she you know you guys came out here she took that big leap of faith but yeah. how how has your family supported you through this I mean they again they've probably had a she's been a widow yeah. <laughs> to this job every yeah. once in a while so how has that how do you guys find that balance how do you work together
0: she has been so understanding, and it it helped. News is not, as you've mentioned, news is not a career that ends at five o'clock, where you just turn it off. It it doesn't stuff doesn't happen on weekends and in holidays. You can't just turn it off. And she actually interned with me in Virginia at our station. She wanted wow, to be a reporter, got it. and then she saw what it was like and said no. <laughs> but uh, when we were engaged, it was Memorial Day weekend. I had a huge barbecue planned with a bunch of friends, and she. An hour before I got a call from the newsroom that uh, a child had been kidnapped and I needed to travel two hours away to cover it. So we had to cancel the barbecue and and uh, she was supportive and we moved it to the next day. And she has been that way ever since. She rolls with it. Yeah, she knows. She knows that stuff's going to happen and that. I might not be home right on time. And hopefully we're getting to the point where that is not as common as in the past. But she knows if there's a big break on something or I need to go to Hawaii with 24 hours notice and she has to stay here in the winter with the kids. Right. That's that's, just rude. That's just how it is. Yeah. I couldn't ask for a better supporter.
1: Well, thank you.
0: Erica. Yeah. Thank you,
1: Erica, for, for, uh, for the support. So... I like to ask business people, what advice do you have for those who are considering self-employment? Because it's not really cracked up, it, you know, for everybody. is isn't it meant to be self-directed and to be self-employed. What advice would you have for people?
0: Yeah, you can have, when you're self-employed, you get to choose your own hours as long as it's all of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't remember who told <laughs> me that. But yeah, yeah, you choose your own hours and your own pay, but it's all of them or, and nothing yeah. a lot of times. Um, there's a lot of perks. There's, I, as you said, I, get to, I just interviewed a professional baseball player two hours ago on Zoom, Hunter Pence. How and fun. I got to talk to him for 12 minutes. That's and he so was cool, great. and it was great. And TV, I couldn't have done that. Yeah. So I, I, I reached out to his people, and they said, sure, we'll do it. Uh, that's great. But I also know that if one of our reporters happens to make a big mistake, or I happen to make a big mistake on a story that we post this afternoon, that it's, it's, you. it's me. So there's a lot to that, um, good and bad. I I'm always about go for it as long as it's realistic, and as long as you think that you can, uh, you know, make make it happen and, and keep your head about. Th- there's inspiring people all around this community uh, that that just inspire me for what they've done and how they've been able to do that. You, the fact that you were able to think, you know what? I'm going to start a podcast. I don't have any experience. I'm a nurse. In, Why in, not? <laughs> I'm a nurse and, and you run Oswald's and, and I'm going to go start a podcast and I'm going to call business owners cold and see if they'll talk to me. That, to me, is awesome. I mean, that, that's the type of people we, like, we love to hire at East Idaho News, people that are just hey, go-getters. maybe
1: I could get a job there. Uh, there you go. I'm
0: saying <laughs> you could be our next reporter. So, so if, if, if it's creative and it'll draw people to you, as I, as, I, as I was told early on, build a good product and the people will come. So true. Regardless of what industry you're in, if you have a good product, the people will come.
1: Love that. That's great advice. Yeah. So what's the future of East Idaho News?
0: Well, we had our biggest month ever in, in March, 12 million page views.
1: Do you think it's because we were home?
0: Uh, yes. <laughs> and I think there was some Daybell news.
1: Yes, that's true. Uh,
0: for, for comparison, last March we had 6 million. Wow. So it, it, huge. It's, it's it's bonkers and April is not slowing down. So uh, the growth, as I said, we're, we're self-sustained now financially. Thanks to our local businesses, uh, we're able to be here. We're a small staff. We, we don't have much overhead. We don't need TV towers and printing presses. Yeah, right. So we need servers and laptops, and that's what we do. Uh, eventually, we'd love to expand into other parts of the state, I think, maybe geographically. In an ideal world, if everything works out, I'd love to have an online news network in small cities across the country, like what we do, where we all kind of share yeah. content.
1: Did, are are there East Idaho newses across the country?
0: You know, most are hooked to a TV or a radio or a, a newspaper. Yeah, there uh-huh. there, are, there are a few here and there uh, in bigger cities, but it's hard to it's uh, financially. You news doesn't make money. It's the it's the filler stuff on the Today Show. They do the concert series that makes the money. Yeah. newspapers are paid with advertising and with obituaries and legal notices and. Uh, television makes it from Modern Family, the programming, so it can be hard to just sustain a news product. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully we can kind of set precedent, maybe.
1: Yeah. But well, even how do if, you do that? It's through advertising, business advertising. Yep. Simply.
0: Yeah, and sponsorships like yeah, our Feel Good Friday. That's right, uh-huh. um, we do we do have obituaries now, so they're forty five dollars, but we don't that's more of a public service. We don't yeah. we don't make a uh, money off of that. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's mainly advertising. Interesting. We we don't wanna ever put up a paywall. We could put up a paywall. Uh and I think people might pay. We've never asked our audience to to give us money. Uh maybe if maybe one day it might come to that. I don't know. Um so we've been so fortunate and honestly, if we never go anywhere else and we just continue the way we are, I'm I'm happy as long as we, you know, push forward.
1: Well, if you're, if I'm a business owner and you come and tell me that you've had 12 million downloads or whatever that you just said, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, If I could get myself out there in front of that many eyes that yeah. many times. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, Nate, this has been awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners before I let you go?
0: I don't think so. I, I think that uh, we just want to thank Eastern Idaho for embracing us and for downloading our app and visiting our Facebook page and leaving the comments, good or bad, and, vi- and reading our news and giving us the tips. We couldn't do this without you, without our, our, our people that are out there. And uh, we appreciate the people that, that come up to us at the grocery store and say hi, and I love your stories, or I can't believe you did this story. Why did you do this story? We are all people, we all live here. We are local people. I think all of us have lived here for several years and we don't wanna make our community look bad. We just wanna report the news. So thank you to everybody who has ever supported us or shared one of our stories or, or done whatever.
1: Well, East Idaho News has quite a fan club out there. We all would like to see you be wildly successful and just continue the track that you're going. So thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate being able to learn more about you and East Idaho News, and thank you for being everywhere (laughs) and for keeping us informed. Um, We are hanging on your every word, so keep it up, even when it gets really hard.
0: Thank you, we will, that's encouraging, I appreciate it.
1: As a reminder, this show is sponsored by Oswald Service and Repair with locations in Idaho Falls and Rexburg. Please come and see us and let our family take care of your family. Now stay tuned for the Business Leadership Moment.
0: It's now time for a Business Leadership Moment on East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast.
1: Thanks for listening to the Business Leadership Moment. This segment is brought to you by RiseCon. RiseCon is an East Idaho business conference held every November. They also have a sister event called RiseX, which is a monthly event, networking, and masterminding, and great problem solving. So please check them out at www.idahorisecon.com and risex.io for more information. Hey guys, today I wanted to talk to you about uh, something that might be pretty acute for you right now that you're experiencing. So how many of us are having Zoom meetings, uh, remote meetings, whether that's Zoom or WebEx or whatever you're on, And um, you're seeing or you're hearing that there's a meeting during the meeting happening. Now, what am I talking about? Before you've heard me talk about meetings after the meeting. So that's when we'd have a meeting. I would choose not to speak up, but I'd leave and I'd go to my friend's office and I'd say, what the heck was that meeting all about? And what exactly are we supposed to do? And how often has this happened to you in your life? Where you may not have understood the clarity in the meeting, and so we have what's called meeting after the meetings in the stairwell, in somebody's office, out in the parking lot, whatever that looks like. Well, now in this social distancing time, we're doing these remote meetings, we're actually experiencing meetings during the meeting that are happening on chat or other places while a meeting is going on, and so. If you want to nip this in the bud, as they say, and maybe not have this happen within your particular places of business, I have a few words of advice for you. Some things that you can do to help quell that meeting during the meeting kind of things to stop that. So number one, if you don't have an agenda, you shouldn't be having a meeting. Agree on an agenda or do not accept a meeting. If you're having meetings without agenda then you are setting a precedence that this is just a time where we can get on and chat about things. And people who have work to do are like, why are we here? What are we doing? And this chatting happens in the background. So be sure that you're not wasting people's time. Um, the biggest thing about these meetings is that we need to show that we have respect for each other's time. You know, Mark Cuban, I listened to um a call with him the other day. He doesn't do meetings at all. Now, I don't know that any of us can necessarily get into that, but he does all business over email. He doesn't take a meeting because of this very thing. He can't keep it on track. Um, He probably can keep it on track, but meetings tend to not stay on track. And he's just like, get me to the facts and get me to what's going on. If you have an agenda, you can stay on track. If you don't have an agenda, don't accept a meeting. Make sure that it's perfectly clear as to why you're actually meeting. Um, step two, you could perhaps do a Q and A facilitation, meaning that you're defining the question that's being asked. And it can be as simple as restating something and saying, is that your question? And then ask, did I answer the question? Now, this might be like, are you kidding me? But it goes back to the concept of clarity, and I've talked a lot about clarity, but this is another place where we'll let a conversation go in a meeting, and people are lost. <laughs> and we, and as a facilitator, as an owner, as a leader, whatever role you're taking, this is an opportunity for you to be perfectly clear, and say, "Here's the question, answer. Did I answer the question?" And make sure that we're answering the questions until it's clear. Clarity, clarity, clarity. Um, number three. Provide a safe word. Now, this is an interesting concept, right? If I'm an owner, I'm a, I'm a leader, and I'm going on and on and on, sometimes I think that what I'm saying is very important and everyone should be just wrapped. Their attention should be just completely focused on me. And I can lose an audience. In fact, I hope I'm not doing that right now, but on occasion that happens. So as a leader, it's not a It it can be a wise idea to provide a safe word where in the chat somewhere says, you know, monkey, and you're like, oh, I'm off on a tangent and I need to get back together. You have to create a safe environment because the first time anyone is annoyed with the use of the safe word or that's poo-pooed, for example, you're going to never have anyone use that again. But it's an idea to keep you on track. Another one is pull the meeting. After you've had this meeting, ask people on a, to rate it on a scale from one to five. And if you want honesty, you're going to want to make this anonymous. So ask them how effective your meetings are on a scale from one to five. How effective is this? And if you're not getting fives, then stop wasting your time and other people's time. Get some clarity in your meetings. Have an agenda. Figure out exactly what you're doing with your meetings. Um, those are just some ideas to make sure that you're having effective meetings and keeping them compelling enough to help everyone to stay off of a meeting during the meeting. So hopefully those ideas have helped you this week. And thank you so much for listening to the show. I look forward to having you back next week. And so we'll see you then.